Hey everybody and welcome to Breaking Biotech, everyone's favorite biotech podcast. My name is Matt and thanks a lot for coming in today. Hope you're enjoying yourself on this lovely Sunday afternoon. Uh, today we're going to talk about the Ameren results that came out at the uh, American Heart Association conference last week. And they also published an article in the New England Journal of Medicine. So we're going to talk about all of that, get into all the controversy and uh, whether or not it's relevant for the approval that they're expecting to get with their supplemental NDA application that uh, should be filed soon. So uh, we're going to do that. We're going to talk about, uh, you know, fish oil, all different things, fish oil, and then just finish up with a quick portfolio wrap up and uh, I'll leave you to it. So for those who need a background on Ameren, uh, you should really watch my other video and I'll link to it uh, in the comments and probably put a, a card up. But uh, there I go through a little bit more of the details of the background. But just to give a quick um, review. So Ameren, uh, they've been around for a while. And the reason that they've been at around 3 and $2 is because the FDA originally said that in order for them to get the indication on their Vasipa medication, this EPA concentrated fish oil pill, uh, they needed to do a cardiovascular outcome study to show that this pill actually did have an effect on major cardiovascular outcomes. So we see here from 2012 to 2014, they finished up their phase three trials, uh, Marine and Anchor, and showed that there was a benefit for, or they showed that it reduced triglycerides, but um, they needed a longer term study to really show whether or not there was an effect on uh, MACE events. And when that happened, the stock dropped to about two, one or two, and uh, it's taken them, you know, years to come up with this final, the CVOT study to show that in fact, their Vasipa medication did have an effect on reducing cardiovascular outcomes. So we see here uh, last week, the AHA was news was definitely a sell the news event. And there was also some rumors going around that they, they were going to have a secondary offering. So everybody sold off in anticipation of that. The secondary, the raise of capital didn't come in and uh, it's been slowly being bought back up. So uh, it looks like we're finding some support around 16 but uh, who knows? It's going to continue to be volatile, but uh, we'll get into that. So, uh, yeah. So the study they released is, uh, is a nice article that, that goes through the, the data. It shows, you know, the main outcomes here. And uh, just to recap a little bit, their Vasipa medication, it's a concentrated, it's a one gram pill that is uh, EPA, uh, icosapentaenoic acid, ethyl ester, and uh, I think I'm saying that right. And of the omega-3s, that one along with DHA are the, the major omega-3 fatty acids that are claimed to have some sort of beneficial effects. Now, the DHA-specific effects don't seem to be as helpful as the EPA effects. So, um, And there's been trials that have looked at specifically the DHA or just the mixed uh, amount of fish oils. But EPA really seems to be the one that uh, that has an effect here. So... They looked at patients, they did 8,000 patients and um, treated with placebo, or 4,000 treated with placebo, 4,000 treated with Vasipa, and uh, they looked and saw whether or not one group had fewer major cardiovascular outcomes. So what they ended up finding, I'll get to it here, so baseline, and these are all patients that have been treated with statins, so their LDLC is, re is very well controlled, although there's a little bit of a caveat to that when it comes to the, the mineral oil and the placebo. So uh, we can see here that most of them, I think the average triglyceride level was between um, 150 and 300. So I think like 250 was the average triglyceride. 
And uh, so they were able to show a benefit before that if they had over 500 milligrams per deciliter triglycerides, Vasepa really had an effect in helping these patients, but it was a little bit more nuanced when it came to people that had only above 150 milligram per deciliter triglycerides. So this is the data for the primary endpoint. So the primary endpoint, they looked at, so cardiovascular death, non-fatal myocardial infarct, non-fatal stroke, coronary revascularization, and unstable angina. So the number of these events uh, in this primary endpoint, they saw that isosapin, icosapin ethyl uh, reduced the hazard ratio by about 25. So you're 25% less likely to have an event if you are in the icosapin ethyl group. And uh, icosapin ethyl is, refers to the EPA, the Vasepa drug. Um, and this is compared to placebo here. And we can see the 95% confidence interval. It's uh, relatively tight. So the, the drug does have efficacy in this uh, area. If we look at the secondary endpoint, which was more, uh, which is just the cardiovascular death and non-fatal infarct or stroke, uh, we see hazard ratio at 0.74, so like a 26%. Uh, reduced chance of having one of these events. So uh, this is very positive. I think it, uh, it, it's in line with what we were expecting. Um, we can look into some of the details here where they break down the variables of the patients to see what had a, a what was responsible or what wasn't responsible for this effect. And uh, some of the things of note that, uh, that are kind of interesting in terms of just trying to understand what this drug does. And uh, so one of the critiques of it is that there's not really a mechanism that's understood here. And it's a valid critique because if you look at a breakdown, okay, we're going to go through my myriad of tabs here. So in their supplementals, they actually show whether or not uh, after one year, what happened to all of these patients. And when we see that here, we can see that patients that had either below 150 milligram per deciliter triglyceride or above 150 milligram per deciliter triglyceride, uh, they still ended up seeing an effect of icosapin ethyl. So it didn't matter what the triglycerides were, uh, which seems to suggest that the triglyceride-lowering mechanism that they originally proposed isn't necessarily what's going on in, in these patients. So uh, this is interesting from a scientific perspective because the omega-3 fatty acids, a lot of effects have been attributed to them. And in the discussion of the paper, they talk about how there's a blood thinning effect that can go on with these. There's an anti-inflammatory effect of the omega-3s, and there's also this triglyceride-lowering thing. So it's likely to be a combination of all of these different things. And in terms of FDA approval, uh, you know, many drugs have been approved without knowing the mechanism of action, so I don't think it's going to be a, a hurdle in that respect. Uh, I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to open some new avenues of research uh, just to see what's going on here, but I don't think it's going to be a huge hurdle for the company to get approval, given that the effect that they see is so dramatic. So uh, this is particularly interesting, I find. Um, oh, yeah, they also talk about uh, plaque stability. So one of the things that causes these MACE events is rupture of an atherosclerotic plaque in the, in the vessel. And uh, omega-3s have been shown to have a, a stabilizing role in those plaques that form, and this is, could be a mechanism that leads to uh, improvement in these MACE events. So there's a lot of questions about the mechanism, and definitely future studies should look at it, but uh, in terms of approval for the company, I don't think it's a huge problem. So the other thing that was particularly interesting uh, 
actually, you don't really see it in the main data. You have to go to the supplement. So in the supplemental data, they show all the different markers that they looked at. And I'm going to get to that right now, eventually. OK, so here we go. So in the supplement, they showed the difference between baseline in each group, and they showed the difference between the groups here, which is pretty cool. So triglycerides, we can see in the uh, VASIPA group, they got a 21% decrease in triglycerides, which is good. In the placebo, they still saw a 6% decrease in triglycerides. Uh, which is interesting. And then they saw the difference between the groups is about 14%. So the drug had a bigger effect in reducing triglycerides, but whether or not Vasipa has a primary effect on triglycerides or something else is, uh, is a little bit in question. Now, something that was noticed by a lot of people was the difference in LDLC. So both groups of patients are on a statin therapy that controls their LDLC very well. But uh, one of the things that the FDA and the company agreed upon is that as a control in the placebo, they would add mineral to it to give it the same kind of look as the Vasipa drug. So the problem with mineral oil is that there's other papers that have shown that high doses of mineral oil can actually lead to a reduced absorption of certain drugs like statins. So mineral oil could have had an effect on uh, statin absorption in the placebo group that they didn't see in the Vasipa group. So some of the difference, the, the final difference that they see might be due to a reduced efficacy of statins in the placebo group. So that's had some people raising their eyebrows and asking whether or not that could have been the cause of this result. But like a lot of people have looked at, have talked about, and a lot of editorials have gone on, uh, that, that, you know, they, they bring up a lot of these issues that I'm bringing up now. Uh, one was here, you know, some of the big biotech commentators already talked about it, but that reducing, so I'll tell you the difference right now. So uh, LDLC increased in the Vasipa group by 3%, but in the placebo group, it increased by 10%. So it's like a three times difference in, uh, in change of LDLC comparing the two groups. But when you, if you look at the absolute difference at the end, it's 84 versus 77. But things that we have grown to learn is that if you reduce LDLC substantially, which they saw in the PCSK9 trials, you do get an improved uh, uh, reduction in these cardiovascular outcomes. So, you know, a difference in five would lead to something like a 5% uh, relative risk reduction, though, and it wouldn't account for the entire 25% that the study saw. So if there is a, a role here of mineral oil, it would be relatively minimal in the results that they see here, but it is something that uh, that should be noted, and I think, you know, the FDA should not let trials use mineral oil when it comes to statins. And you know, the FDA actually uh, allowed them to use mineral oil in the phase three trials that they did, that Amarin did too. So it's kind of a, a, re a thing that's been going on for a while now, and it obviously should stop so that that's no longer a confounding factor here. But uh, I don't think it's a it's a serious concern for the company because everybody kind of knows what they would have expected or what they would have seen in the placebo group had there not been any mineral oil. And uh, on top of that, which other people have brought up, you know, the, the jealous study that, that occurred in Japan did not use mineral oil and they saw a 19% improvement uh, right here using their EPA drug. So it's relatively in line with the, with the reduced study from Amarin, which is, which is good to see.
Um, yes. So that was another concern that people had, and uh, I obviously don't think it's it's going to be a hurdle for the company. I think it's easily explainable, especially since they've already had an agreement with the FDA for that. But uh, along with this, they saw things like the C-reactive protein. They saw a huge difference, difference of 40% between this and the, the CEPA drug, and they, they've seen this effect in, in their phase three trials. So uh, the SEPA might have a primary effect here, but you know the mechanism still is unknown. But it, uh, it makes you wonder if there might be some effect of the mineral oil that, that does this. But I think also this is relatively easy, easy to explain away, and I still think that the results are, are very strong here. Okay, so yeah, I just wanted to touch on those. Um, and, you know, in terms of, like, overall impact this has, I think this is a pretty uh, interesting, solid case for EPA having a role in in uh, cardiovascular outcomes. Um, you know, th- there's been some studies in the past that looked at, actually some systematic reviews that looked at 10 trials with all of these people at the effects of omega-3, and they saw no change in, in MACE events. But these trials, of course, it wasn't just EPA, it was DHA, and sometimes it was even just mixed uh, omega-3 fatty acids, but it really looks like it's the EPA that's important. And uh, if we look here, this is just from the Ameren uh, presentation, comparing the relative risk reduction here. So Lavazza showed nothing significant in their trial, uh, which is a mixture, and then the, yeah, so then EPA itself, you know, you get this nice effect. So all of the supplements that are available over the counter, usually they're, they're, a mixture of omega-3, and then they have some proportion of it that they guarantee is EPA or DHA. But it really seems like those are kind of a waste of money and that it's the EPA itself that that you want to focus on. And it's going to be neat to see whether or not some supplement companies try to just concentrate EPA and put that in a pill and start selling it to people. Um, But EPA, or the the Vesepa drug itself, isn't isn't crazy expensive, and fish oil pills themselves are kind of expensive, so it's going to be neat to see how the uh, market develops, even though uh, Ameren does have a patent on EPA. And I haven't looked at the patent, but the the patent is enforceable, and they actually uh, settled with Teva, a generic manufacturer, to to allow them to release the drug uh, not until 2029, so... Ameren's going to have a relative lock on the uh, the technology on the the EPA concentrated EPA, but I wonder if some you know supplement companies might try to undercut it. It's not a huge risk uh, in my opinion, but it'll be neat to see if um, if Ameren's going to have to really enforce their patent uh, in in court. So uh, it's also funny that you know PCSK9 inhibitors. It's uh they had a rough go of it given their their crazy price tag. They originally came out with like fourteen grand uh, per year, and there a lot of companies have have reduced that price. But I think a yearly supply of Vesepa is something like three thousand dollars, maybe even less, with some uh, coupons or something like that. So uh, it's going to be tough for PCSK nine inhibitors to to be competitive in this area, even though they do show a relative risk reduction of fifteen percent. So. It's uh, it's too bad, but that's uh, that's how it goes. Okay, so other than that, um, yeah. So, right. So the cheapness, yeah. So Vasipa has been long. It's been out on the market for a while now. So I think it's going to be very low bar of entry for doctors to actually prescribe it, which is good. 
um, and they've waited a long time to to try and really open up to the market of patients that are on statins. So last time I talked about Amarin, I had this graph here that I did a slight update to, but I th still think it holds water. So, you know, the max revenue they could get all patients that are um, that have hypertriglyceridemia, uh, it's something like uh, 50 million people, and this is all this is from their their material here. But you know, if they were able to get all of those patients, and not all those patients are on statins, so you know, the indication is only going to be for patients who have well controlled LDLC. The uh, I see share price something like 80. I think it's uh, I adjusted that from from before, which is like 100 or something. Um, if they just reach half of statin patients, uh, I see price target around 44 bucks. But of course, this is going to take a long time to get. They're going to have to get a sales force together. And they're going to have to really push for it. And they have, you know, 10 years before the uh, before Tiva can come in and undercut them. The other thing is um, AstraZeneca has a product that's a, that's a concentrated uh, EPA pill. And um, the results from that shouldn't come out until 2020. So uh, Amarin will have the lock on the market until around that time. And it'll take some time for them to get regulatory approval. But... It's a, it's going to be a battle for Amarin to, to you know go out there and get it. But there's been a ton of hype on this product, and uh, I know personally I've received so many like bots that have come at me telling me that the the Amarin study is just a joke. So somebody's kind of behind trying to spread some fear about and uncertainty about the the product itself, which I find is kind of interesting. Somebody must have a short position somewhere, but I think the company has a has a lot of success ahead of them. So I'm kind of I, I bought in on the dip towards 15 and uh, I'm going to hold for quite a while because I don't think there's a lot of huge catalysts coming up so it's going to be a definite long-term hold for me and uh, speaking of catalysts um, so here's the the things to look forward to so they are uh, looking for expanded indication because the the drug is already approved for patients that are on statins but have a high triglyceride so above 500 milligrams per deciliter and uh, they're trying they're going to get approval well they're hoping to get approval for um, patients who have higher than 150 milligrams per deciliter, which is a huge, the huge market that I mentioned. But uh, approval isn't going to come until late 2019. So there, there is some time before then. And in that time, they're definitely going to, you know, try to expand their sales team, uh, try to get doctors and patients um, educated on it, and also look for expansion into other markets. So this could be pretty huge, but they're definitely going to have to put some work into it to, to get it to deliver on, on what we expect. Because, you know, this revenue, this is a lot of revenue that they, they would bring in. And they have the potential to do it, but they got to really work for it. So uh, I'm going to hold for, for quite a while, and I think that uh, that they're going to be a good uh, company to have. So, uh, you know, with that, let me know if you have any questions, if uh, you think I missed anything here. And I'm happy to, uh, you know, field questions related to uh, to what I think about Amarin. And uh, so my position in Amarin isn't, isn't that huge. I think I have 50 shares. Um, average cost is like uh, 16 or 17. So yeah, so we'll go from there. But anyway, quick portfolio wrap up. Uh, so Magical and Viking, they uh, they took a serious hit after all their data came out because they, they each had like a an AHA seminar or something. And uh, Magical took a gigantic hit, whereas Viking wasn't as bad. But I've been adding Viking for quite a while. But uh, I did add some Magical when it went under the price that I actually paid for it. So uh, kind of crazy that it's that they're both like pre-data levels now, but 
you know, the Nash market is gigantic and the market is seriously undervaluing the amount of money that these two companies are going to be able to bring in, even though they're, uh, you know, they're not uh, quite yet ready for regulatory approval. But uh, I don't think Intercept uh, took a hit as much as I think they should, given the, vi- the data from Magical and Viking. Uh, yeah, I don't know why the market is, is valuing Intercept so much. Maybe just because they're they're further along in in the in the pipeline. But both Viking and Magical look like they have a ton of potential. So uh, otherwise, Esperion, um went back down to you know it was looking pretty good around sixty bucks, and then the the market the Experian market itself itself kind of went down. Um, so it it got hammered, but I still think they're good. Um, otherwise. Yeah, so Sangamo, uh, their delay in data really shook the market. They went down to like nine bucks, and there's a lot of controversy on whether or not their their product is real. If you're going to delay data, you know, it'd be nice if you had a good reason for it, but they didn't really say anything about that. So, uh, you know, I'm still holding on to them because I think their product still works, but you know, until we see the data, it's it's going to be a bit of a toss up. So, uh, we'll see, but. Otherwise, overall, I'm still kind of in line with the S&P 500. My uh, portfolio, you know, when I started doing this, it, it wasn't really fair because I'm comparing it to the year-to-date of the XBI, whereas, you know, I didn't start at zero at the beginning of the year. So when we get to 2019, I'm going to revamp this whole thing and, uh, you know, have a cash position that I haven't really been talking about. So my uh, portfolio here isn't like, it doesn't make necessary necessarily good sense to compare it to the XBI or SP 500. So that's going to change in the in the new year but you know until then i'm relatively in line with the s&p 500 and uh but hopefully the xbi can can bounce back from from their uh, recent turmoil in terms of volatility we're still like higher than the average volatility so you know expect a lot of things to to go on a lot of big swings but um it has cooled off uh in the last little while and if we look at the xbi actually we hit a support of around um 94 ish and uh we we had a good bounce from that so it'll be interesting to see whether or not it uh tests this again or um it tests this and goes lower or you know we test it and uh and continue to get some inflows which uh, i think i saw on somebody's twitter that the this week was uh was one of the a good week for inflows for the sector so that's a, a good sign Anyway, with that, we're going to wrap it up. So thank you guys so much for watching. Please like, subscribe, or leave me a comment. And uh, yeah, with that, we'll uh, see you next time. Thanks for watching.